What's up, everybody? Welcome to the comicbook.com studio here at San Diego Comic-Con. I'm Brandon Davis. Please call me BD. This is uh, our special episode. Uh, we're recapping Thursday of San Diego Comic-Con. If you're listening on the Comic Book Nation podcast, you can't see our beautiful faces. You'll just have to imagine how pretty we are. And everybody here is very pretty, I promise. Everyone really dressed up for this. Yeah, time. everyone really did. If you're watching uh, live right now on Facebook, hello. Thank you for joining us. Uh, let me introduce everybody. We have some new faces here on comicbook.com you haven't seen. From GameSpot, right here next to me, we have Mike Rogu. Uh, down the end, Kofi Outlaw, our, our Comic Book Nation host back in the studio in Nashville. And in the second row, we have Megan Vick from TV Guide. And Jim Viscardi, who is our producer on the Comic Book Nation podcast. I found a way to fit the hot hands in yeah. on video. <laughs> if you're watching live, you saw the hot hands. If you're listening, imagine them. <laughs> imagine what hot hands means. Uh, it's Thursday. The first day of Comic-Con is officially in the books. Um, it's been it, a day. It, it's been a day. We're all a little worn out, but we're doing a show because, you know, we got to make sure we talk about everything. That's what we're here to do. We enjoy punishment. Uh, yeah, we, we love... We hate sleep. We love punishment. Um... I think the biggest surprise of the day was the Top Gun trailer. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And if you're like me and Mike... Not the Cats trailer? You could... Well... <laughs> yeah, that was technically not part That's of That's true. Not part of right, so it But it totally exist. stole yeah. the thunder. We're well, yeah. Okay, so let, I just want to break down for everybody what happened. First of all, Tom mm -hmm. Cruise was at Comic-Con for the first time ever. He's Total never been to secret. Oh, second time. He was here for Edge of Tomorrow. Okay, so his second time ever. First time this year is what I meant. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, I didn't know that actually. Edge of Tomorrow is a great movie. But it was part of Paramount. Top Gun is a Paramount movie. So Mike and I were both at the Terminator Dark Fate panel. And we're going to talk about Terminator in a minute. But we sat through an hour panel. It was great, it was fine. Uh, and then we lingered for a bit. I mean, I typed a bunch of stuff up and sent it over mm -hmm. so that we can get it published. I'm guessing you probably did something similar. I did similar. the exact same thing. And then they replayed the footage too. Replayed the footage and I had it to go to the press line and so did you. Uh -huh. So we're like, you know, we gotta go. We can't hang out here. We have <laughs> to run across the street in foot traffic that is Comic-Con. Being get, responsible. Yes, we're doing our jobs. And I leave Hall H and I open my phone because I can't stay off Twitter for more than a minute. And <laughs> I go to the search bar and I see Tom Cruise on stage at Hall H in the trending moments while I'm standing outside of Hall H because Paramount didn't tell us that Top Gun was coming. This was a complete surprise. So everybody left. He debuted the Top Gun trailer for like three people. It was like the time Kevin Smith had a panel in there after Star Wars The Force Awakens oh, brought everybody out to a concert. That's what, that's what Tom Cruise just had to do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that move. I'm not going to lie to you. I was really pissed. I'm really not happy about it. It was frustrating. Your voice it, certainly sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, we can hear it. Um, I mean, it was frustrating because, you know, they could even say to, to us, because, it, you know, it, it's our job to be here. Like, it would be helpful to know about these things. And they don't need to ruin surprises for us. I love surprises. You love surprises. Um, but they could say, you know, wink, stick around at the end because there's going to be one last thing. Yeah, that would have been But that's a, like, Tom Cruise is a big surprise. Like, yeah. why do you wait? so far after to then roll him out, like unless he like got stuck in traffic or showed up late. But even still, I like, highly doubt it. Tom Cruise well, doesn't sit in traffic. He's supposed to have right. somebody who can add <laughs> yeah. Maybe like a rodeo but that's clown what I mean. to add for you to, like, Knowing Tom Cruise, he probably there. flew a plane yeah. himself yeah. because like, like he probably demanded Landed they on the really- aircraft carrier behind like <laughs> yeah. convention center. We have the Navy like, right up the street. We're in San Diego. He probably flew in. And was, but what's I mean, but like that is a, it's such a huge moment that just feels completely botched. Yeah. Uh, well, not I mean, least because Conan O'Brien came out first to introduce Tom Cruise coming on, which you I, you probably didn't even catch. You may have left before me, but 
I stayed in there even after you did, I guess. And Conan came out. And it wasn't there for Conan. I was yeah, already Con gone. I mean, Conan was at the um, the It Chapter 2, the Scary yep. Ego thing last night as well. So I was like, oh, great. Conan's here again. I don't know why, but I don't care also because <laughs> I, have I have to go to a press <laughs> line. I have like a red carpet to get yeah. to. Um, so Conan comes out. I went, huh, what the hell is that? As I was walking out the door. And then he introduces Tom Cruise. <laughs> and it's like, what? What yeah. the hell? But I mean, it, regardless, I mean, I'm salty because I left and I missed mm -hmm. Tom Cruise. But it's still pretty cool that they brought Tom Cruise out in the first place and they showed make, a trailer. I was going to make a really mean height joke if he could see over the podium, but... It's, uh, it's a great trailer, though. That's, it is. Yeah, that's, 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 that's where that's I was going to go. Was, you know what? We can forgive it because this... I mean, I don't know. It's day one, but this might end up being the best trailer to come out of Comic-Con. What did you think? I thought, I mean... If you were a fan of Top Gun, this was the nostalgia trailer for sure. Mm -hmm. Soundtrack um, and all. Yeah, soundtrack, imagery. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's basically what it is. It's like, hey, do you remember Top Gun? Here's a reminder of how awesome it is. <laughs> like, and it's just like, I they do your, everything. I love your there's a singing voice. montage. There's like a volleyball moment. Like, they go through all the hits. He's hugging the girl. He's kissing. He's riding the motorcycle by a plane. It's everything well, you want. That, that, that trailer also took um, the moments to like, have some dialogue like there was actually like yeah. it wasn't just all like beat after beat even though there was, I was some gonna, of that. yeah i was gonna say it's like kind of weirdly almost like Quar uh, tarantino-esque with him and ed harris having this conversation mm -hmm. in this office with these still shots of just the two of them and tom cruise and talking about how washed up or like how his time is over as maverick and maverick still having these kind of one-liner comebacks yeah. yeah but still looking like the eternal tom cruise yeah right. you guys missed yeah. the spiel but uh he he mentioned when he introduced the show that every single part of that is real it's not cgi so oh, so it's like mission impossible all over again like he's flying those planes they're doing those tricks were you in the room why i know i watched it on twitter because i was in my <laughs> i just don't understand why when he, I remember at CinemaCon a couple years ago, they showed the footage of him hanging on the side of the plane, and you just hear about these Tom Cruise stunts, like when he broke his ankle because you only he insisted get one life to live, man. Yeah, so continue living it. <laughs> yeah, Why? it is inevitable that Tom Cruise is going to die doing some ridiculous stunt on some movie. I'm sorry, but that's how it's going to happen. I don't feel like it's for, not that hot of a take. I don't think it's for us to that's, that's, that's a try to imagine what thrills <laughs> Tom Cruise. You know, right? It could be. I mean, the man's on the next This is what level. he does in public. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he must just be an adrenaline junkie yeah. at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it, it does make watching the movie a bit more impressive when you're watching it. But regardless, I mean, it's a movie and you're expecting things to be fake. I, I, wonder, I wonder if the amount of money that Tom Cruise movies make due to the hype of him doing his own stunts and all of that compares with the amount of money they lose every time he breaks his ankle and they have to delay filming for six months. <laughs> right, yeah, that, that's a real question. Like, is, it, is it worth it in so, the end? Okay, so let me ask you guys this, though. What does the movie have to do to kind of, I mean, justify existing in your eyes. I think it's completely absent from this teaser trailer because obviously they were like Tom Cruise back as Maverick, but the story is actually about like the younger generation. You have Miles yeah, Teller I, and Glenn I, Powell in this movie as the next generation of fighter pilots. Miles Teller's playing uh, Goose's son, so we want to know like what is that story? Yeah, How did Goose's death the, impact? The trailer that? didn't really. That's absent from the trailer. Exactly. Yeah, this is the Tom Cruise hype, but like, yeah, there's a deeper story here. Um, it's going to deal with like a lot, you know, changes in warfare and you know, air aerial combat, especially. Uh, but also the death of Goose, you know, which is this pivotal point in the first movie and how the real ramifications of that 
kind of played out over the course of not just Maverick's life, but of his son's, you know, Goose's son's life. So there's going to be some good drama to kind of wait all this and probably some great action. So, I mean, well, it's everything. Yeah, hopefully. It's all real. <laughs> yeah, so, it's all real. So hopefully Tom it's really Tom starts bleeding, great. he took yeah. that punch so, or he crashed I mean, that plane. Those are the ingredients you need for, for a good, you know, for a great There's movie. no way all that's real. They didn't crash planes. There's no way. I mean, maybe not with him inside them. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, all right, let's move on. I, I still, the trailer's great, though. As little as it told us, it really makes you excited. It's kind watch. of ironic that we're saying the best trailer of the weekend is a not comic book at all related Well, that's a, just a symptom of this year's Comic-Con. I mean, there's so many studios that didn't come. You're not getting mm -hmm. any DC trailers. We don't know what we're getting from Marvel. Marvel might beat them. The Witcher might beat them. We're going to talk about all that. But, but at the same time, like, nerd culture has kind of absorbed oh, 80s nostalgia for sure. as another genre yep. so yeah, yeah exactly yeah all right came from the cobra kai trailer that is totally true <laughs> <laughs> so now the, the panel was really for terminator dark fate which i don't know you guys haven't seen much footage three of you haven't seen much of that right no. <laughs> well i thought the Let's footage talk about it. yeah so i, <laughs> you I, and I, can talk I thought the it. footage was really cool and the trailer they released online had isn't really cool it's not very exciting but between CinemaCon footage and the footage they showed in Hall H today, I think the movie could be cool. It looks like the first time we're actually getting the classic Terminator story again since 1991 where you have a protector and you have a Terminator and you have cool action and innovative... We didn't see too much innovative stuff because everything, I feel like, has been done before at this point. But still, we're seeing new technology from a Terminator that looks, like, exciting for the first time that I've cared. Yeah, I don't think it needs to... I, I don't think I'm... I'm ever, whenever a new Terminator movie comes out, I'm not, like hyped for so I, I don't need it to like repeat the story beats or like have a classic terminator story right but like it's a fact that every terminator movie since t2 has not lived up to to those originals right and so what what i want from this movie is just for it to be a good movie like i want to catch back up with these characters and have it feel like t2 and have it feel like the characters in the world are consistent and it seems like those are the things that they're focusing on which i think is a great mm -hmm. great news i um, just want the da -dum -dum -da -dum. that's all I when that plays during the panel I I, i'm just yes. <laughs> but here's the here's the crazy thing right so we have that we have the trailer that exists and everyone is kind of like meh meh right? the trailer wasn't good the and there's I mean, not and there's, bad, but there's it's not, not good. there's not really a lot of heat behind this movie now but like Every time they show a scene or whatnot, and there's descriptions on it, and like you know, guys like you come out and, and talk about how much fun it is. Like, where is that? Show me that because there is there's nothing about this movie right now. As someone who hasn't seen, has only seen the trailer, maybe read some of the descriptions, there's nothing to get me excited for. I want to be I'm a huge Terminator fan, but there's nothing there that says, but, Jim, you need to go see this. Over so they haven't even released the clip of Lind uh, of nothing. Sarah Connor said, dropping the gray saying, I'll be back, right? No. I've seen that twice now. That was so good. It's so good. The yeah. moments with Sarah Connor are so cool. I don't know why. Is, maybe it's the visual effects aren't done. I, I could, they looked good. Do you think that's one continuous scene? Because there's a moment where it fades to black. There's probably some stuff cut out that would have been plot spoilers right. or Where, something. It, it could have just been weird editing. Yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, that, that whole, it's like the, the, we saw it in the trailer, I think, right? When, when um, uh, Gabriel Luna's character, his Terminator is, is chasing McKinley yeah. Davis in the, like on the high He's driving the, the dump truck. Scene. They're driving the pickup yeah, truck. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, they, they've shown the full scene of that now right. twice to us. It, it's so cool. It is. And once that gets on, I've, I, I've told this to people who work at Paramount. I'm like, once you get that online, yeah. people will care. Like, people will be excited. But uh, they also confirmed, this is cool, uh, Eddie Furlong will be back as 
uh, John Connor. Maybe well, did they confirm? <laughs> well, James Cameron. James Cameron said it live from the set of Avatar. They actually, I, I asked. Paramount about that, and they, he really was live, and it was a logistical nightmare. I can only imagine. It's in yeah. New Zealand, right? Uh-huh. Uh, she, uh, she, yeah, shooting Avatar but, 2, 3, and 4 simultaneously, well, apparently. He, James Cameron said that John Connor's coming back with the original actress. That's exciting. Uh, I think he wasn't supposed to do that because I talked to Tim Miller on the press line, which we ran to, which is why mm-hmm. we missed Top Gun. Yep. Uh, we have that interview. If you're watching, enjoy the face of Tim Miller. If you're listening on Comic Book Nation, uh, you'll be able to hear some cool Terminator stuff. Check this out. Hey, Comic Book Nation, BD here at San Diego Comic-Con with Tim Miller, director of Terminator Dark Fate. We just sat through the Hall H panel. Looks, the footage was great. Thank you. I want to ask you, you get Linda Hamilton back again, Arnold Schwarzenegger back. I'm so curious about these characters. I just rewatched the movies again to catch up. Uh, Sarah Connor is back, and she's more badass than ever. And Arnold is playing Carl, as we just learned in Hall H. So just tell me where those two characters are starting at here, and like what they've been doing that you can not spoil anything. Uh, well, I, I, it's not a spoiler to say that what Sarah has become is a Terminator hunter. Why, I can't tell you. Um, and But I can tell you that Arnold is not the same T-800 that was in the other movies. Obviously, he melted down. But for the, for the non-hardcore fans... Um, they, you should know that he's not the same guy, right? Yeah. But he's this, but he is the same guy in many ways because his Terminators all start out the same place, right? But imagine the the rules that Jim set down about what would happen with a Terminator, what they become. They're a learning machine. They're a neural net, and they just keep learning. So the longer you leave one around in our society, the more he learns about humanity, and then what does he become? Um, Interesting. Yeah. The uh, Skynet sent, just like the T-1000 and the other T-800, Skynet sent a whole lot of Terminators back to kill John. We called them slow bullets um, in, in the writer's room. And Arnold is, is one of those characters. That's awesome. And you have John Connor back in this movie as James Cameron revealed at the panel. Yes, that was quite a surprise. It was, Everyone. Yes. I was wondering, was he supposed to say that? But can you say Jim, anything? Jim walks his own road. He's just... <laughs> Can you say anything about how John factors into this movie? Of course I could, but I'm not. <laughs> right, well, I'll ask you this. One of my favorite scenes from T2 is the helicopter truck chase. Do you have a signature kind of stamp that you're really excited for people to see in Dark Fate? Um, I, I, I think the way these... Ter- Gabriel's a different type of Terminator, right? And. And he's the third cast member in our movie that had the same name as the character I cast him as. It was weird. Uh, Gabriel in the script before I, we That's cast funny. Gabriel was Gabriel. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's, he's I think uh, robots of today, they get more and more human. And Gabriel is more human than human. He can blend in. He's not, he's not uh, this big, stolid tank of a person like Arnold is. And the way he fights is not that way either. He's fast and lethal. And just to be able to do a, to have something fight like them... And again, and and then you bring Mackenzie's character into it, who is an augmented human, who's strong. She's like Wolverine, you know. She's she's very durable, she's very strong, very fast, and it's all about speed with her. To have those two guys go against each other, or, sorry, woman and man, not sure. guys. Um, and then you bring Arnold in as this, you know, that he's the tank, um, if you want to use the game uh, references, and just designing those action scenes with Sarah in there as this protector character as well. It's pretty. It was pretty incredible. It sounds like a classic uh, Terminator story here. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Last thing for you, since this is kind of the touching the classic, can you just kind of, in your words, explain where this fits in the Terminator universe? Uh, it, 
right in line with the other two. It's just, it's 27 years later, uh, and we're seeing the choices, the consequences of the choices Sarah made at the end of Terminator 2. Love it, man. Thank you so much. Can't Thank wait you. to see the whole thing. Thank you. Big thanks to uh, Tim Miller for taking his time to talk with us. And uh, I think we've talked enough about Dark Fate. I, I hope they release the footage we saw online so everybody, the three of you and everybody at home can finally share our excitement. I'm cautiously I, optimistic. I don't know about excited. E, e, okay, that's I'm excited, but I think uh, <laughs> that footage has me convinced there could be a good movie in there. If the mm -hmm. movie is as good as the footage we've seen, there yeah. could be a good movie in there. I agree. Uh, I mean, and then again, they could have just shown us the best part. So you never know. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the Arrowverse, the CW, DC World. We had Mark Guggenheim in the studio today. Um, let's just start there. Such a more. nice guy, that Mark Guggenheim. Mark Guggenheim is a really good guy. I uh, sat a couple seats down from him at the Hobbs and Shaw premiere. Had no idea. <laughs> I was like, I know him. I know him, and it just slipped my mind. And then, like, oh, that was Mark Guggenheim. But uh, anyway, we, we, I sat next to him today, uh, and we talked about the Crisis crossover and things like that. So I'd like to just start with that before we jump into it. So check this out. I think has been kind of building towards it really yeah. heavily. Yes. In the Fallout, who, what show do you think will feel it the most? Oh, that's a great question. Um, that's a really terrific question. Um, I'm tempted to say actually Arrow. Yeah. Um, and I may be a little bit biased uh, in, in giving that answer, but I would say if, if we're able to do what we have planned, um, it's a pretty big consequences um, that come out of Crisis for Arrow. Oh, interesting. Which I know it's like we're, we're big things right before we end the show. But, right, uh, well. You know, it, it was interesting, you know, because of the nature of Crisis and the nature of a 10-episode order uh, for Arrow, the two projects really became linked uh, to the extent where the build-up to Crisis really takes place in Arrow and then Crisis has to impact the final two episodes of Arrow, um, so it's all it's all connected, um, you know. Uh, and I think it's going to be connected in a way that's satisfying to people. Nice. That's the trick. I do love when we do that interview because it's like you guys just change, and Mark Guggenheim appears, and now we're back, and you guys are back. Just like a camera wipe. <laughs> yeah, we just teleported Guggenheim in and out, and you guys are back. Uh, but. I think it's interesting that he says that Arrow has the biggest fallout of the Crisis crossover when Arrow will only have two episodes left after the Crisis crossover. I don't know which one of you is the best versed on the CW-verse, but I'd like your opinion on that. I mean, so we learned uh, in the previous season of Arrow in the Flash Forward timeline that... Uh, uh, Oh my God, Oliver Queen! Oliver? Oliver Queen! Wow, I kept. I wanted to say Stephen Amell. Best worst uh, in Arrow, right here. I, know. I just wanted, I, Okay, anyway, Oliver Queen is dead in the future timeline. Spoiler alert! Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I know. If you, you know? No, it's, yeah. uh, so I, what Guggenheim is saying without saying is that like, Crisis is either going to set up his death, or it is going. He's going to die in that mm. situation. Yeah. Which I think is going to be the big fallout of the. Of, of the whole crossover. There's no way yeah. my mom's gonna be able to handle that. You you gotta, <laughs> if you've watched, like, yes, if you've watched the last season, like, it, it has already, Arrow's done this thing where it's already kind of jumped in the mm -hmm. timeline to flash forwards where the ending of the current show is, is already set and mm -hmm. they've already moved to show you, like, what the fallout is way past the kind of the ending of the present action. Mm -hmm. So you know Oliver Queen's gone and this will be the fallout that sends 
these characters on a traje trajectory that, you know, really does change them. Like, when we f catch up with people like the Canaries in the future, or Felicity, or, or the, you know, Arrow, uh, Oliver Queen and Felicity's children, like, it's I mean, very the, different. The interesting yeah, thing yeah. would be if he dies in this episode and then there's still two more episodes, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. are those all set later? Or? So there have been rumors or, like, at least a lot of, like, f hopeful fan rumblings that there could be, like, a next generation DC Universe show with, like, mm -hmm. all like Mia Smoke mm -hmm. taking over. And it could be if they kill Oliver in Crisis, those last two episodes are help setting up a potential spinoff for, like a backdoor for Cat McNamara, yeah. And there's there's growing evidence of it, like the actor who plays the adult version of Oliver Queen's son, William, is mm -hmm. now a series regular, so he's going to like, you know, be in this a lot more. So you gotta be begin to question Barry and with Iris. Crisis is going on, you know, like where these two episodes sit, like yeah, what are they saying? Barry and Iris also have an adult daughter that could like come into play with Nora. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At this point on CW, shows I can name off the, I don't even know if I'm gonna get them all I'm saying the shows I can name based on DC Black Lightning, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, Flash, is it Supergirl? Mm-hmm. And then Batwoman is Bat uh, Batwoman is coming. Is it like too much now? Well, the interesting if thing they, is, if they do an Arrow spinoff, will can people still ha does it have the longevity for people to continue being interested? I, to me, the question more is Arrow. To me, has been the backbone of sort of the CWers, right? Yeah. It was the first one. Everything sort of came from it. I don't know what show is that, right? Like to me, Arrow always felt like the most important, even though it was telling its own complete story. But any time everything came together, like when they did the crossovers and stuff like that, it always felt very arrow driven mm -hmm. and I don't know what show really picks that up like you know you'd say well, the flash. is it flash just because it's the yeah. next yeah. oldest yeah. but like yeah. I, yeah I'm kind of the opposite I think arrow was the backbone as long as it was kind of its own its own thing but when you got into the crossovers mm -hmm. then it, it kind of paled and took a backseat because the characters weren't necessarily built to handle the events of right. like the super powered events of these crossovers. Mm. So I think yeah, Flash is the natural successor to step up I, and be, you know. I also think it's interesting that he pointed it. out that like Arrow is going to be the one building up to Crisis, like mm -hmm. it's going to be the kickoff point. And I not, I just assumed that it would be the Flash because Barry Allen, you're going to have an interdimensional crisis. <laughs> yeah. Barry Allen would be the one to trigger that. And you've been building it since season 1 of The Flash ever since you saw that the newspaper headline. Yeah, that's true. Well, so. deep they cut. like spoiling their own endings on that in that CW <laughs> world. Well, the other <laughs> deep connective thread is that Oliver Queen during the last crossover event made some kind of deal with, with the, the monitor, monitor. Yep. that we don't know about about this crisis that basically results in his death. So he's got to remember to grill. He's a whole bargain to fulfill. Like, yeah, he's a whole bargain to fulfill before all of this. So goes one down. one thing that um, Guggenheim pointed out was that in ending his show, unlike shows like Lost or. Game of Thrones that went on for X amount of years, long enough to make people wonder how they could possibly end. They don't have like a lingering question. You know, they don't have to really explain anything other than how Oliver dies, and they have to address that at some point. Uh, I mean, you're the best here, Megan, on the CW stuff. Do you think they'll stick the landing and satisfy the law? The people have been with them for eight years. Uh, oh God, that's so hard. Um, <laughs> I th I think they can. I think, especially with people having a full season's warning that Oliver is going to die, they have enough time to honor that character and do what they need to do. Um, I think they 
the CW is, as Jim said, like a little like DC superhero, like thirsty. And I feel the way they could trip themselves up is spending too much time trying to set up something else rather than ending the show. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, if Especially they're gonna mess up, that's in other words, superpowers or- they're, or, uh, they're not pulling a Robert Kirkman is what you're saying. That's what right. he did with <laughs> The Walking Dead comics. They're allowing it to end. Um, all right, let's move on. S.H.I.E.L.D. also ending. Everything is ending. What do we have left? Everything's over. It's been a very, like, formative, huh. you know... DC Universe, Disney Plus. Yeah, that's true. But DC like seven, Universe. Yeah, you know. all six of you guys who subscribe to that, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the last, you know, the last, like, seven to ten-ish years of... Like, these are the shows that really spawned a right. lot of the superhero stuff that we see on TV. It's, so this is such a weird time. It's gotta Because, come. I mean, The Walking Dead is still on TV. Andrew Lincoln's not on it. Game of Thrones is over. The MCU is still going, but the story that we've been following is over. S.H.I.E.L.D. is ending. The Netflix show's ended. The Marvel Netflix show's ended. Arrow's ending. So many things are ending. It's, it's, I don't know. It seems like a very... It kind of makes me excited about the possibilities. Like, I, I do... Hopefully. I, I hope so. I'm not excited about um, Disney Plus in the sense that I want like another service to subscribe to, which I think is a sentiment shared probably among all humanity. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and And yet, the other part of... You know, the glass half full side is is maybe some of those shows will be cool. You know, there's a lot of stuff coming on on Disney Plus that like. Oh yeah. Maybe some so, of it will be good. Do you think <laughs> the Disney Plus, the fact that Marvel is doing so much with Disney Plus and it's Marvel Studio stuff that's going to be series, like could that have influenced why Shield is going? Because the Netflix shows are gone now. Agents of Shield is gone. Shield has been this weird show that they've tried to cancel like four times and it keeps finding a way to come back. How and many I times do you watch Clark Gregg die? <laughs> and now they, now they, like they're saying no. It's it. We're really done. Yeah, this and time. they've been teasing that for uh, for a while now. Yeah. During the long delay before this current season, there was kind of word that they would only be doing season six and seven. And then Clark Gregg kind of, you know, a couple months ago, I even remember writing up that story, just came out and was like, yeah, yeah, seven. And then I think it's done after that. And now, sure enough, like, yeah, it's done after seven. I think it's also just like, I feel so bad for the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast spending seven seasons on that show just being like, we want to be part of the Marvel Universe. (laughs) And then Disney Plus comes along and be like, here are five shows that are genuinely going to have an impact on the MCU. Bye, guys. That's what I was going to bring up is like, I feel like the promise of that show initially is like in the the immediate aftermath of the first Avengers movie. Oh, yeah. And 23 million people watched. Yeah. They had a plan for how Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. would would kind of weave into that and they would reference things that happened. and, And I feel like that sort of was just gradually dropped at some point. Yeah, I mean, they hit their stride with the Winter Soldier tie-in. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, like, saved that show because mm-hmm. everybody was kind of souring. It was kind of getting boring. They tried to do, like, a Thor the Dark World tie-in yeah. episode that fell so flat That was when face. you realized the show had to spin its wheels until it yeah. got to that point, though. Yeah. yeah. The Winter and then, Soldier. like, Winter Soldier, when they came along and the Hydra reveal happened, then that show just became something very different mm-hmm. and, like, everybody, it really clicked and yeah. Bill Paxton rest his soul the icon like he came on there and he like really brought a good villain character and just really brought that home in season one so but have they had a moment like that no that's my point like that one? was that's yeah, where yeah, like, they the, did the, it the once and then the, like, show, yeah. the, the like, show has been pretty really ambitious it's, it's tried a bunch of stuff it's been you know it, they went to space and like but again a lot of it is just like the promise of it all and the, the potential of it yeah. all just never got met I've been in and out of the show for, I mean I, I caught up now on the flight here because I know I'm doing interviews and I, I've been in and out of the show. So I'm genuinely asking this. In the most recent episode, they killed Clark Gregg again. Evil Phil Coulson. Is there more of, like, is he coming back in another form? 
I don't can, know. can the show exist without <laughs> Clark Gregg? Because I mean, as, yeah. like, do people know the answer to that question? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's straight up. Well, that's when you know it's time to end it. That's when you know <laughs> no, it's time. No, I mean, that's the thing. Even in within the show, the characters themselves joke about how many things, how many plot lines they've run through already, and like how many more can they possibly run through? Yeah. They've done tra time travel, alien planets, just generally hopping around space. Mm. You know, at least they're self-aware. Yeah, but even yeah, then, like, like the show has done nothing to be additive. Mainly, you know, mainly because I imagine studios doesn't want them to be additive, but they haven't brought in. We, whoa, whoa, buddy! We have a new Ghost Rider series coming. Well, thanks to Agents right, of Shield. Fair enough. Yeah, but like, but. That, to me, that that Ghost Rider season though was probably my favorite. Yeah, it was but, one of the best. But like since then, and like and outside of all that, you haven't really gotten much. I mean, you got Yo Yo as as a hero, but they haven't really added much that like comic fans who you would th want to think that they want to appeal to have nothing to latch on to. Well, that's probably Kevin Feige saying, "Nope, we're going to use that. Nope, we're going to use uh, that. Nope, we're going to use that." Yes, and yeah. I mean, I'd say to yes to some no, extent. But, yeah. And then also Kevin Feige going, yeah. "Shh, everything's gotten really muddled." I mean, of us. They, it got yeah, really muddled once the, we got the hit. Odd like, stepchild. I don't know, and I don't even know if it's yeah. Kevin Feige, but somebody. I mean, it, it's fair to speculate, I think. Yeah. Um, As of right. Infinity War, it's just all gotten so muddled because right. now the show is just yeah. connected to basically nothing like really and it's just kind of right. but on the flip side on the horizon we have a Ghost Rider show coming out we have those uh, the other shows that they announced for, for Hulu and things like that and so you know we don't really need S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore this is and, the prototype you know it sucks because yeah, there's here. you know those, all those it's actors. the arrow yeah. <laughs> I mean just <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. I mean. but uh, alright let's let's move on um, we're gonna I went on t I wanted to show you guys some stuff on the floor so if you're watching right now you will see uh, a cool little booth they were doing Hellboy makeup and I thought that would be cool and I wanted to talk to some of the artists there they were doing a full prosthetic which is not easy work uh, and if you're listening to the Comic Book Nation podcast then you'll hear a quick message from uh, one of our friends and we'll be right back so check this out welcome back if you were watching I hope you liked seeing the stuff on the floor if you want to see something on the floor you can tweet at any of us or use hashtag Comic Book Nation uh, and we'll try to go check it out at least get some photos for you that we can throw up on Twitter and Instagram and stuff uh, one more topic from not today yesterday but we didn't it was preview night so they had a small little panel because Warner Brothers said oh we don't want to spend a whole ton of money and bring Birds of Prey, Joker, and Wonder Woman. Let's just bring it Chapter Two. So we'll just right, put, we'll, we'll just spend a little bit of money. Yeah, we'll yeah. spend a little, little bit, bit of a lot of money. And technically, yeah. it's New Line, which is like kind of part of Warner yeah, Brothers. So but isn't, did so. Warner Brothers even have to spend the money? Smart play, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so they did their Scare Diego thing, which was at the Speckler Theater, the, the Speckle Spreckles, something. or something, some famous theater in San Diego. Here, uh, it's, it was a small venue, mm -hmm. um, very intimate evening, if you will. With the cast of It Chapter Two, they showed and Conan O'Brien. And it was—I mean, it was very much the Conan O'Brien show. He was lobbing some softball questions, but he was very entertaining because he's Conan. Uh, and the only cast members who really talked were Bill Hader and James McAvoy. I thought, um, but they showed us three clips, and if these were released online, I think they would be the most exciting stuff. They would beat Top Gun. Uh, because I loved the first It, I really liked it a lot, and this seems to take everything that I liked about it and make use you it more. You mean the first It, the, the, the movie? No, the September, yeah, September yeah. 2017 It. Not For a second I was like, the miniseries, oh, okay. No, nah, I mean, the miniseries is the miniseries, but yeah. the, the movie from two years ago, I, I mean, it, it seems yeah. pretty universally beloved, um, and they seem to have taken everything and kind of expanded on what worked. 
I thought, I, I mean, this footage, they showed us the trailer and then they released the trailer online this morning. Um, mm -hmm. But then in addition to that, yeah, they showed so much footage. It was three entire scenes, um, including the, um, the iconic, like the Chinese restaurant scene um, where they all come together as adults. Um, it was creepy too. Like yeah. there's not even a, there's not even a monster uh, or Pennywise or anything in the scene and they still, Andy Muschietti director, found a way to really like intensify the scene of them sitting around a table and that's it they're sitting around a table and it still gets claustrophobic and intense and well, kind of haunting I, I think the most i think the coolest thing in that scene is is seeing like the the chemistry because you want to see that what people want to see especially after they split the story the young and the old version people want to see um how the older versions of the characters played by bill Hader and chastain and mcavoy and all the, all these actors um like Adopt, have adopted the mannerisms mm -hmm. of their kid versions um, because the kid actors, Finn Wolfhard et al., were, were great too. And people want to see if their dynamic feels true to what happened in the first movie because that movie is beloved. And I think that that scene portrayed that really well. Yeah, and so that scene also kind of explained to you why the movie exists. That, I mean, if you know the book, you kind of know what's coming. But Mike is the one who stayed mm -hmm. behind, Isaiah Mustafa. Yeah, Mike so, stays in Derry. So he remembers everything. Right, and he is kind of doing detective work back in Derry because people are going missing again. Yeah, according it, seems, to the it seems pretty true to the to the source material in, in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, he stays behind, but and, and as he explains it, when you leave Derry, something happens, and you forget about all the right. weird stuff that happens there. So, so he brings them back in. The band is back together as a means to finally kill this effing clown, uh, <laughs> which that line from the first one makes it back into this one because in the next two scenes they actually reminded you this movie will be scary not just <laughs> entertaining and yeah, it was claustrophobic but not it wasn't actually talking. scary there were the two scenes where one was at the the is it neville house neville house i don't know how to say it the the, the haunted house the one that's like above his lair yeah that house and a fun house at a carnival and two totally different scenes but both were awesome i mean i don't want to spoil anything one heads literally rolled and turned into like a creepy spider, like a weird. I mean, I want to talk about that a little bit because it's it's a very clear oh. like uh, you know my my coworker I was sitting next to when the the head starts sprouting spider legs, I was like and with hands on the end. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. it's, it's the thing they're doing the thing, and then Bill Hader literally <laughs> says the line from the thing, and I went, oh, it literally is the thing, like the yep. 1982 yeah. John Carpenter remake, one of my favorite movies of all time. And then they talked about that afterward. They you know that's one of the fun things about these panels is like they show footage and then you they immediately. You you, know, you watch them react to it because sometimes they haven't even seen yeah. it. And so Bill Hader and Andy, the director, talked about how that was a line that they improvised on the day. They were trying to remember what the line from the thing was. Um, I'm like, call me, I could have told you. But they looked it, <laughs> they looked it up on YouTube Andy, and they're like, if you're watching. <laughs> they look it up on YouTube got... and they're like, oh, that's good. We should just do that. And so they, that's how that winds up in the movie. I know, it's funny how Easter eggs kind of, mm -hmm. and that's going to be a story on every website too, but it's just a little accent that Bill Hader thought would be cool. You yeah. Know? It's great. Exactly. Uh, and then the house, the, the, the next, the, the fun house scene um, with James McAvoy chasing a kid leading to Pennywise mm -hmm. being there. Not from the books, or not from the book. Well also, I mean, they just kind of made, they, the way they explain that, like how you were saying, how they, they do the Q&A, talk about it. There was a scene where with Pennywise and a kid in a funhouse, but James McAvoy pointed out that he felt his character wasn't getting enough of his guilt from the past to mm -hmm. come through. So they found a way, they got on the phone, they had tequila, they legit over tequila, and then they got on the phone, they, they met up, 
and had tequila in person, not over the phone. But anyway, uh, I'm <laughs> telling tequila. Tequila. this story terribly. The <laughs> uh, but they <laughs> sat down tequila. together for about an hour, an hour and a half, and they came up with a new version of the scene. And that's what we saw last night where McAvoy like totally acted his ass off, played this scene in the funhouse, a creepy, haunted, claustrophobic mirror room. And it's trapped, and he's trying to rescue a kid, and Pennywise is there, and I won't say anything other than that, but it was awesome. It was really yes, cool. it was terrifying. Yeah, yeah. it was, I mean. And, and there, there were moments in these two scenes when people in the, uh, I don't know if you guys were there, but there were the people no, in the audience were literally going, oh, yep, like yep. reacting like we were in a theater watching this movie. Yeah. Like, especially, like, there's some gruesome stuff that happens, and people next to me were like, uh, like so, yeah that, that's eyes. when you know I mean with a horror movie like that like this is true horror and it's doing a really good job yeah. so for you three who haven't seen all that footage and you've only seen the trailers are you as excited as we are about this <laughs> so, yeah, I'm curious oh the first trailer was all I needed I don't I don't even want to see more like the scene with Chastain and the old woman oh trailer, yeah man. yeah I watched it because I you're not gonna to. die you have <laughs> to yeah, yeah to. you know but I didn't I don't want to see any more because I love the second half of the story. There are some questions I have about the plot lines, of course, because there is a lot in the plot about like how they have to bond together and defeat this and magic turtles and stuff, and I don't know <laughs> what we're going to do to kind of get around that, and I'm curious about. I, I would guess that they are going to give it the same treatment that they gave the first one, yeah. which is the stuff that doesn't work from the books. Uh, from the, I keep saying the books. There's one book. It's 1,200 pages long, but there's one book. The stuff that doesn't work from the book, like a certain sewer scene that everyone is... Yeah. With, Oof, yeah. Uh, yeah, cut is, that. They're just going to drop it, and they're yeah. going to add yeah. where they need to. I feel like in some way, the, the more specifically, how they're going to explain or, or reframe the whole like, metaphor of their bond and why it defeats the monster is what I'm kind of interested to see, how they fill that gap. I have faith. Um, you know, I do, too. I have nothing but faith. Yeah. After I saw the first trailer, with, which was also a scene with Chastain and the old woman, I was like, okay, like this is going to be really great. It's only a matter of time until they announce a prequel. This mm -hmm. it's gonna be it has to be a franchise. It's too successful, and they look like too good at movies. Uh, all right, but before we wrap up really quickly, um, something we didn't talk about today because we all kind of were out doing different things. We've seen what I did. I want to hear from you guys something. You know, what did you do today? Who did you talk to? Or panel you went to that you thought was really exciting? We didn't get a chance to talk about. Um, I'll bring up the his dark materials. Um, which I know you wanted to talk about. I did. As well. It was going to go on. Damn it. We can both talk about the His cool. uh, Dark Materials um, panel because I love those books. I hated the 2007 adaptation so much. And it seems like, based on what they said, based on, on what we saw, um, it seems like they're going to. I mean, it's so easy to get too hyped from being in a room with 12,000 people all watching something like the goosebumps are, are inevitable. But right. it, it truly seems like um, the uh, the producer, um, Jane Tranter, was that her name? Jane, anyway, Tranter, yeah. she uh, from BBC was talking about how, you know, why, is, why, do, why did she want to tackle this adaptation? And um, she said like she thought it was time to bring this series to a platform where it would have room to breathe and they would have room to do, and HBO is you know, interested in doing something different. Mm -hmm. um, and anyone who knows the His Dark Materials books knows that they get pretty weird. Um, <laughs> so it seems, like, it seems like they wanna go there. I also, nice. I didn't read the books. Mm -hmm. the two, even as someone who didn't read the books, the 2007 movie was bad. Um, mm -hmm. But I will also say, as someone who didn't read the books, the first teaser that they released like a, a couple months ago, for, if you didn't read the books, that teaser made no sense. You were stoked because it's like Ruth Wilson, James McAvoy, Lynn Manuel Miranda looks right. awesome. The kid from Logan, all here for it. But I was like, <laughs> I don't understand what this show is about. I'm gonna watch it because I'm a nerd and it looks great. 
I feel like what came out of Comic-Con today really helped set up this series. So what is it about? It is about, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) It's so Uh, hard to explain. It's in a... It's in a world where kids are starting to disappear, but everyone sort of has, uh, for lack of a better word, a spirit animal. Yeah, oh, I mean, that's, that's literally what it is. Like, Interesting. And well, it, yeah, the little girl spirit animal is an armored polar, polar bear, bear, and it's sick AF. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I'd usually just I, stop right I around I feel like there. that would be my spirit animal. I don't want to, yeah. like, well, sure. actually you, but, like... Okay. It's <laughs> not a spirit. I didn't read the books. That's what I'm I know, getting from the trailer. I know. I'm so sorry. The, the bear is like her like friend, but like her the the spirit animal is called a demon, and it's like everybody. It's like your soul, but it lives outside your body. And when you're a kid, your demon can like transform into kind of any different kind of creature. And then as, basically, when you hit puberty, it's like a coming of age. It's like a metaphor, I guess. Um, it solidifies, and so when you become an adult, your demon takes a specific shape and can no longer change. But the armored polar bear, that's real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's definitely an armored polar bear. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, oh, man, I'm sold. It's, dude, yeah, it's Yeah, you just stop there. It's really C- good. Kofi, what, what's something you were... Um, I saw a couple cool things. First, I got to sit down with two of the iconic voice actors from the Dragon Ball franchise, uh, Sean Schemmel and uh, Monica Real. And we talked about... They broke this, a world record yesterday for yeah, Dragon Ball. For Kama, Did you see that? For, yeah, yeah, largest Kame Maya ever attempted. Is that what you say? 350 Kamehameha 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 Do we have any footage of that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, sadly we do not have any footage of that Comic Book Nation got the joke Um, (laughs) Anyway, so I got to talk to them about just how crazy Dragon Ball's explosion as a mainstream has been since they, I mean they've been grinding since like the late 80s, early 90s so they've earned kind of like the spotlight they have so that was a great talk um, which we'll have up on comicbook.com I also went to the Robert Kirkman panel the first since he Ended The Ooh. Walking Dead. Um, was it as brutal as we think the Game of Thrones showrunners would have got? But not, yes, but not for why, for, not for the reason you think. It was mostly, I like rushed over there, I was ready with my pass, I went in, and they were like, what are you talking about? Just take any seat. And it was like, not that full of a panel. Oh, no. Yeah, it wasn't that full. Um, we were in uh, Ballroom 6A. And Honestly, that's more of effective, that's more of an effective message to send than showing up and saying, I'm mad at you. Yeah, and he, I mean, he was funny. He came out of the panel and he just, I mean, he kind of just slinked out of the curtains and just came in, just the mic and said, anything interesting happened lately? He moderates his own panels, right? Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, this wasn't really a panel. I mean, he came out and just said it. He was like, I don't prepare for this at all. I don't have anything prepared. So we're just going to start letting you ask questions. Please don't kill me. And then like. How were the fan questions? Surprisingly tame. Like. There was only one person who got agitated about the Walking Dead ending, and then he said, oh, but I met you last year, and they took away my sign thing, can I have another one? And he got another one. <laughs> well, so it's and actually really, it. really funny you mention that, because I had the chance to talk to Robert before his, his panel um, with uh, Rob Liefeld, and it, it was really interesting, because well, I just threw the question out there to him, basically saying, like, what's the, what's the reaction been like for you? Are you really feeling it? And surprisingly, he said, you know, he the the reaction he's gotten online well yes there's still a, a, a pocket that really really hate it the majority of people he's found actually are okay with it well the last book the ending was good mm-hmm. the ending I, I believe that is ultimately the ending he always had in mind mm-hmm. but I feel like Rick's death was I'm done with this book I have to kill this character well, let's just get to that last issue that I was always going to publish anyway and kill him here well so that. the thing he said was is you know he he had his outline for the story and where it was going to end and it basically got to the point where he looked at one of the covers of his books and he was like oh I'm a lot further along than I thought I was and it's like I don't really have that much story left 
uh, I'm definitely not going to make to 300 issues. Uh, here's yeah. where it ends. He talked about he talked in the panel about having to sit down and realizing about that point, like his bullet point list of events he wanted to cover before the end. And then he had to kind of number them out. Hmm, and he realized that he got to 193. He was like, sorry, I'm never going to make it to 200. <laughs> like, and that's how he knew he was just going to end there. He actually just like, and he knew like, I mean, even before Andrea and all that stuff, because he talked a lot about. Yeah. This may be me with a tinfoil hat, but at the end, in the end of his letter, and even when he was sitting down here with me, he reiterated the fact that Negan is still alive. Yeah. Um, we talked about that. Me and one of our writers talked about that because Walking Dead tweeted out a thing that said, uh, Robert Kirkman has no plans for a Negan spinoff. And I was in the panel and I had the full quote and I said, I was in the midst of writing an article that says, what Robert Kirkman has, you know, teases the possibility of a Negan spinoff. And I, we had already put up the one that said no spinoff. And I had to talk with our writer with the full quote, but what he did was somebody asked him if Negan still exists. And he said, yeah, you know, the last issue, Negan's still out there. He's going to probably be like in this farmhouse. And he kind of just, he dodged around a little bit and laughed it off. But then he said, yeah, that's a possibility to revisit. Like if my, and he said, he kind of tried to temper it by saying my career ever takes a nosedive. <laughs> but he said, um, yeah, it's a definite possibility to revisit. And then he actually said, I should. I think I've said too much. I shouldn't have answered your question. <laughs> Where did the no plans thing come from? Yeah, that's. Yeah, I, I mean, he said. Oh, he said there's no plans for it currently, but uh, it's a definite uh, possibility. Well, that's I, interesting. One of those yeah. things seems more newsworthy than the other. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. Uh, I would be down for a Negan comic. I feel yeah. like Negan was the one of the few remaining characters in his book who was interesting. He got but, unusually lit up with that, so, mm -hmm. you know, Kirkman, like, yeah. he was lit up about that, so I wouldn't be surprised. He's also the biggest troll at his own his own panel every yeah. time. He oh, trolls yeah. the people who ask him questions more than anybody, any panelist I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, he's, but, it, was, uh, it was kind of funny. He signed a skateboard for a kid, he signed <laughs> a thing for a kid who lost his sign thing, and then he yelled at everybody not to ask him. <laughs> so. All right, well, that's. I feel like we have, uh, we've, we've talked longer than we were even supposed to today. Uh, I mean, this weekend, there's still a lot more to come. We have Marvel Studios on Saturday. That's going to be big. This show will be a little bit later on Saturday because of that. We will be uh, talking to some cast members uh, of certain Marvel movies. We don't know what yet. Uh, and Kevin Feige, hopefully, uh, on Saturday night. And then we'll come back here immediately to talk all about that and everything else that happens on Saturday. We also have The Witcher coming. Uh, we have The Walking Dead Season 10 trailer coming tomorrow. Maybe some movie news. Don't get your hopes up. Uh, and I think that's pretty much the biggest things left this weekend. There's a lot going on. We'll talk about all of it much more than what I just said. And uh, if you're watching, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, thank you so much. Make sure you tune into Comic Book Nation everywhere. Podcasts are available. Tell your Amazon Alexa, Kofi, how does it go? Alexa, play Comic Book Ooh, Nation. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Playlist, Google. Yeah, Google Podcasts. Oh, and you can tell late. Alexa, Amazon Alexa device, play Comic Book Nation podcast and it will fire right up for you. Boom. And if you want to Boom. find any of us on social media, here's how. Kofi. At Kofi Outlaw. Mike. At Rogue Cheddar. See, that's why your name is confusing, because it's Rogue <laughs> Cheddar, but it's pronounced Roju. It's, it's a play on the name. Uh-huh. Well, it's Rogue Cheddar now. I him off screen. Yeah. Well, one of the packages we're playing, he told me how to really say his name. It's Mike Roju, uh, and it's Rogue Cheddar. Jim. Jim Biscardi. And Megan. Mego Inc., but I-N-C, not I-N-K. All right. And I'm at Brandon Davis BD. We'll be back tomorrow night with another live show from San Diego Comic-Con. Thanks for watching and listening, Comic Book Nation. <laughs>